Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Afternoons on SEN. Well, thanks to Work Locker, Karim Downs and Packingham, unlocked, stocked, and full of value workwear for wherever you work. We're going to get back to your call shortly. 1300 736 736 about how you feel about cricket. Quite simple, it has gone nuts. I love to hear what you have to say, positive or negative, about cricket as a whole, the Australian summer, the Big Bash, the Test team, whatever it might well be. We'll get to your calls back in around 15 minutes' time. Uh, Simon off the 40 Wings Tepper text. Me and a mate are off to Botswana Butcher on Friday night. What steak should we get? Well, they're all delicious, Simon. So whatever hunger levels you got at the time, you just correlate that to the amount of different sizes the Botswana Butcher has got. If you are a Melbourneian or a Victorian, go in and see the crew at Botswana Butchery. And also he says that his mate Dom needs to hurry up with his work. So Dom, hurry the hell up. Thank you, Simon, and enjoy it. All right. Now, I don't know how this is going to work, so we're just crashing into a show. Daniel Garb is one of the best <laughs> broadcasters in his country, and right now he's doing exactly what I am doing and filling in on SEN Afternoons for Jimmy Smith in Sydney on SEN. Garby, have we got each other? We crossed over successfully. A couple of moonlighters, Cameron, <laughs> just uh, filling in some very big chairs, mate. Hello to you. Hello to you, mate. Uh, yes, absolutely privileged for both of us to do what we do. I want to ask you, before we get to the nitty and gritty of what's happening in Sydney, uh, I'm asking the listeners here in Melbourne today about cricket. How do you feel? Are you for it? Are you against it? Has your passion waned in recent years? And for what reason? The game of cricket for you, Garby, are you a, are you a big fan? Are you still the same that you were when you were growing up? Or have you lost a little bit of that hardcore cricket love? Yeah, it's an interesting one. I mean, I, I still love the sport enormously, uh, like I did when I was a kid. Yep. You know, waking up, you know, I was, grew up in Perth, so early morning start mm-hmm. for the test matches was always up for the first ball of the day and the one days, of course, but the landscape's become fragmented. So I'm not a massive 2020 fan, I've got to admit that. I'm just not hugely into it. It doesn't grip me as much as test match cricket and one day cricket, as we know, has, has waned a little bit outside of the World Cups. But I still think the appetite is there because most people are like us. They love the sport. They've mm. grown up on the sport. And when it comes to the big test cricket contests, the Ashes, clashes against India and a home series that really grips us, we'll, we'll become immersed in it enormously. And if there's a big 2020 game or a, or a great one day game, of course, we love watching it. The issue for me is the landscape of the game, as I said, and on the international sphere where it's going in that sense in terms of test cricket so clashes with England and India we'll watch every single ball but is there going to be enough contributors to quality test cricket contests and the stat that I read today that Usman Khawaja is set to face more balls in test cricket this year than the entire South African test team Hmm. is hugely concerning Hmm. because they've played three tests this year Mm -hmm. and Australia's played 12. Now, that's the worry. South Africa was one of our big rivals. Used to be. 
but they're going down like the Windies did mm. 15 years ago, the short form path, because that's where the money is. Mm-hmm. And if they're struggling for finances, well, they're going to invest in 2020 and test cricket falls by the wayside. Now, if the Windies have done that and South Africa are going to do that, well, we're left with two playing partners in test cricket, yeah. and that's India and England. And then when we play Pakistan or Sri Lanka away, all right, that gets challenging. But that's the big worry for me. The issue is, too, everybody, regardless of what you do, you always want to try and make more money for less work. I, I, I know I, that sounds tongue-in-cheek, but if you have an opportunity to be able to make more money with your craft, it doesn't matter what you do. Without doing five days of work compared to just, you know, uh, 40 overs and three hours, people do always look towards that. And that is the issue, I guess, in some regards when it comes to cricket. What are you talking about, Garby? What do what you got on the agenda there in Sydney today? So we just had a good chat with Jimmy Emanuel from Golf Australia about Harrison Endicott winning the PGA oh, Tour's Q School. Oh. So he's a Sydney sider. What yes. an effort that is. I mean, can you imagine how, what it's like playing Q School? 150 in the field, five cards up for grabs, playing for your livelihood. Mm-hmm. And the Aussie won through. So we had a good chat about that. What an achievement that is. But I want to touch base on Victor Wembenyama today. Just sort of take stock on his year. Um, 19 points, 11 rebounds for the season are his averages. Very good stats. Not spectacular just yet. He'll get there. But it got me thinking about the most hyped up sports athletes, people that we've seen come through. And not only those that didn't live up to expectation, but those that did. Those that had all the hype and the pressure on them and were able to match it, which I think Victor Wembanyama will do one day. I think he'll be the biggest sporting star on the planet mm. in a couple of years. Like He's just a seven-foot-four freak, of course. But we're having a lot of chats about that. Those who, who dealt with the pressure, like a Ricky Ponting, like a Tiger Woods, and those who perhaps succumbed, who couldn't quite match the expectation placed on their shoulders. Any that come to mind for you, Cam? I mean, in the AFL well, world, Harley Reid's the big watch right now. Well, of it is. It is, right? Like, Harley Reid has all this pressure on him at a, at, a, at a great club. You being a West Australian, know the, the great West Coast Eagles history and, and how great they have been both mm-hmm. on and off the field for a long period of time. And he has to carry the mantle. And this is what happens. This is how the draft system is set up. And Victor Wembenyama is in a similar situation, actually. The San Antonio yep. Spurs have been great Ever since Greg Popovich got there, David Robinson, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili, they have been a wonderful franchise for a long period of time who have struggled in recent years. Kawhi Leonard, uh, ever since he left, they probably haven't been able to get anywhere near those heights. So he rolls in and you have that hype. You already have the pressure of being a number one pick and being a player that can help you on the field, which is what uh, Victor Wembanyama on a court and Harley Reid on a football field has to do, but also off it. You have to be able to carry yourself the right way. You have to be able to handle yeah. all the hype, all the trimmings that comes with it. And we did see, and not to suggest this would happen in Australia, but the Victor Wembanyama situation took a weird turn in Vegas not long after he got drafted when he got involved in a little situation with Britney Spears, who <laughs> ran up, who wanted to get a selfie, and the security didn't know who she was, and there was a little bit of a brush off. And they're the little things that make life so much harder in today's day and age. With social media, it adds to the hype. And that's why I always firmly believe that LeBron James deserves as much kudos as possible. He has done everything in a social media world. Like he, he literally yeah. debuted and became him when social media was starting to fire run up. Facebook, MySpace, X, Twitter, whatever you call it nowadays, Instagram, TikTok. There is so much pressure associated. Now, there are very much positives and pros that are attached to the digital world in which we live when it comes to financial reimbursement, because if you do things the right way, it absolutely helps you and your brand and everything associated with it. But there is also Mm. a great deal of dangers 
to it. So I think legitimately LeBron James is number one because he's actually had to do it in a new world. We, we quite often hear these older athletes say, oh, geez, we're glad social media wasn't around in our days. Hmm. And that's not to suggest they are saying they were doing horrible things. But the little things that can sometimes, yeah. you know, have too many beers and be a bit drunk and get asked to leave a bar, which has happened since, you know, forever, that then gets turned into a dramatic thing. Someone runs with it and it turns into a bigger thing than it, it absolutely should. So uh, LeBron James for me in the hype, but you're right. Uh, I think there's a fair bit of pressure on, on Harley Reid's shoulders. Tiger Woods is the other one. I mean, think about the expectations placed on his shoulders. I mean, he wasn't just there to be the next great golfer. He was representing an entire group of people. Like he was meant to change the face of golf. That Mm -hmm. was the pressure on him. He's going to open up the game from being white, stale and male Mm -hmm. and expose it to the minorities and get um, African-Americans involved in golf. He did all that. And all that pressure that was placed on him. And his dad started preparing him for that when he was a teenager, right? It's like, you're not just going to win majors. You were going to change this game. Mm -hmm. And he did it without an issue in the world. I often they, they, think, they came in later, sorry. There were other issues later, of course, true. with Tiger. But on the course, no dramas. I, I, look, transcend sport as uh, as he did, or, or the sport of golf at least. I, I often think, hypothetically, if Tiger Woods didn't exist, where golf would be today. Mm. And we are seeing a changing of the guard and a murkiness around it. Live Golf has come in in the last two years. There's a, there's a hasty merger. No one really knows what's going on. The PGA, when you really look at it in hindsight, the fact that the PGA have been so dominant as an organising committee, yet don't have any hold over the top five major golf tournaments in the world. The four majors, and then, of course, when it comes to the Ryder Cup, it's, it's, yeah. it's quite interesting. Now, I think this is for the betterment of golf, live golf coming in, and I understand the, the, the moral objection people have to the Saudi money. I understand all of that. I, I see mm. it, but I also think it's going to push golf forward and, and slap on the back and get them out a bit of a laziness, the PGA Tour, that honestly was created by Tiger Woods. Like, and I don't mean that in a bad way towards Tiger, but he transcended everything. He was the most dominant athlete in a sport that is extremely hard to dominate hole-to-hole, let alone day-to-day, let alone tournament-to-tournament, let alone year-to-year. And he did exactly that. And I often think, did they just get lazy because they thought Tiger Woods is just going to continue to force us into a stratosphere that we never thought we would get to? And we sit here in 2023. We've just seen the number one golfer in the world change tours. And what does it all mean? It's exciting, Mm. but it's also nervous times if you're a golf fan because you don't know in which way it's going to go. Of course, they got lazy. They got too American-centric as well. Yep. And now they've been shocked, really, throughout their system. And uh, the landscape is changing, and I agree. I think it'll be for the better of the game in the long term. It may still be pretty bumpy until we get to that point, and, and the merger is going to be really interesting. But I think Australians will benefit, and there's a reason why Aussies have been pretty complimentary of live and have turned out for the live tour yeah. because they know that it's better for us. And I, and I think one day there should be a, a traveling major. I see no reason why the PGA championship isn't a traveling major around the world. Keep hey. the U S open where it is. Keep the masters at Augusta. The open belongs in, in the UK and the PGA championship doesn't have to be every year. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's every four years, mm-hmm. but it moves around the globe, played in Australia, played in South Africa, played in Asia, take it to other places and, uh, and really prove that, that golf's, a well game like the PGA Tour has that responsibility, mm-hmm. right? To to be the 
the upholders of the game and take it around the world. And they failed in that responsibility for a long period of time. There are other codes who have been willing to do that and, and aware of their responsibilities. The NFL, for example, I mean, that's not a global sport, but they've been willing to take it to other places. Yes, to make money, but they've been happy to do that and take it away from America. The PGA Tour are never willing to do that. Mm-hmm. And that's why they've been caught out. I, I could not agree more that the PGA Championship should every four years be elsewhere. I, I understand yep. majority of it in the US, but imagine imagine a, a major in Japan. Like on the men's side of it. Imagine, like, the Australians will just absolutely go. So, South Africa. But you, you are right. The NFL is a sport that is wholly centred around one nation. And they leave. They take games. Now, there's the continual talk about maybe taking a Super Bowl to London now. I Whilst that rumour was pretty big at the Super Bowl 12 months ago, I'm I'm fairly against them ever doing it. I don't think they will do it. But if they have those conversations, and that's not a worldwide sport, that's a one-nation sport, how the golfing world doesn't have a major, a little different and open it up is is remarkable. Yeah. Um, some sp- Athletes who perhaps did or didn't deliver. I mean, the AFL, well, Clint Bizzle was the next Gary Ablett, wasn't he, at one stage, and mm-hmm. didn't quite live up to that no. hype, although he had a very good career. Um, Clint Bizzle, we all know about Jack Watson, how he struggled under the spectre of the number one draft pick at Melbourne. He'd admit that. Uh, but then there are so many others who, who lived up to it as well. Chris Judd, I mean, I was living in Perth when he came through at yeah, the well. Eagles. It took two, three months. But I remember one night going to a bar in Perth, Chris Judd waltzed in in his first season, and he got – this is the before – the smartphones came in. So there was no selfies. He just got swarmed as if it was Paul McCartney walking into the place. Well, And he left, the, he left the bar. I'm not joking, Cam. He left the bar about 20 minutes later. He couldn't take it, right? <laughs> so that pressure that was on him, yep. and look, he was able to revel in it. So there are some who were able to, uh, to deal with it. How, how would you take stock of, of Wemby's season, though, to date? How well is he doing in his debut year for someone who is tipped to be quite possibly the greatest basketballer ever alongside LeBron and, and MJ. I, I think he's been fairly decent. I think defensively he's been really good. And, and we had Chris Golding in the studio a couple of weeks ago and he played against uh, Wemby in France prior to uh, Wemby being drafted. And he spoke about how he just changes games defensively. His offensive game is unique and unicorn-like, which is the wording they use. And the fact is that going forward, it's it's going to continue to evolve offensively. I think all the best had weaknesses early, and, and he is no different. But the way he does what he does defensively with his length, with his ability to be able to uh, close down a three-point shooter just as easy meet someone at the rim is a huge part as to why he has absolutely been brilliant in my eyes as a, as a young rookie. Now, offensively, he doesn't get any help. They've got no point guard. They've got no point guard. And, and the fact is, when you want a guy – who can do things on the pick and roll and the step back. You need to have a pure point guard to be able to help him out. And they don't do that. Uh, it's not as easy just to, to pluck one out of nowhere. And I understand that they're going to be bad and they're going to be a high draft pick again. And they'll probably head towards someone they're teaming up with. But I, I think he's had a really good year. A really good year. I'll watch on with interest. I mean, I used to love the Admiral, David Robinson. Yes. So I've got a soft spot for the Spurs. Um, so I just think he, I think he'll be the biggest name in world sport in a couple of years okay. because of the uniqueness of him. And it seems like it's all there. It is. Maybe rushing his shots a little bit at the moment. But um, my goodness, it's going to be exciting when it all comes together. Absolutely. Hey, before we let you go, Garby, there's no one better in, the, uh, in this country to talk the world game, mate. What's, uh, what's taking your fancy at the moment? Well, Ange, Ange is taking my fancy. Like, in and everyone way. else's. And everyone else's. <laughs> um, so we'll wait and see if he can keep on this pretty good run that he's back on after the points away to Man City and the demolition of, of Newcastle United not too long ago. So they're back in, in the swing of things. 
The Asian Cup squad, though, is a big one, Cam. So mm-hmm. that gets announced on Friday. And um, don't lose sight of this, sports fans. Uh, January 13, Australia takes on India in their first game. We should get through the group stage without a worry. Uh, we got knocked out in the quarterfinals in 2019 after winning it in 2015. I think we're a big show in Qatar after our excellent World Cup there, of course. And we feel comfortable there. And the big watch is going to be Bruno Fornaroli. Mm. Does he get named in the squad? 12 goals in seven games. It's an amazing story if he does. I think it's a no-brainer for Arnie. I know he's 37 years of age. But you've got to take a guy for a one-off tournament who is scoring with the regularity and the confidence that uh, he has right now. That's going to be the big watch, but I reckon Bruno makes it, and that's a fascinating tale. We had him on uh, on SEN Afternoons a couple of weeks ago speaking about that incredible hot streak, putting the ball in the back of the net, but also the fact that he has been there before and he just says, I'll do my thing and they will do theirs, and hopefully the phone call comes. And it does <laughs> feel like if you want the A-League, and I say the same thing about any domestic team, NBL, <clears throat> excuse me, if you want to continually help grow the leagues, then you have to give opportunities to players who have been really good. And Bruno Fornarelli has been unbelievable, and he deserves that chance, and hopefully he gets it. Yeah, I'm not sure he starts, so I think he's just a great bench option for, for Graham Arnold. I think Mitch Duke still starts. He scored that excellent goal at the World Cup, of course. We remember that against Tunisia in the second game. And uh, I think he'll lead the line. And then Bruno's just, for me, his first port of call off the bench. I think he's jumped above Jamie McLaren at the moment. I think Kasuni Yangi, who's doing nicely for Portsmouth in League One, a young striker with some talent. He comes through as the youth and makes the squad, but you've got to bring Bruno in and just say, right, if we need a goal, 65 minutes in, you're off the bench and uh, and you're the most likely to deliver for us now based on what you've done over the last three months or so. So, yep, I think he goes. The rest of the squad, I think, will be pretty straightforward. But it is a massive opportunity for us because, as I said, Qatar is the home away from home for these Socceroos. Iran will be up there. Saudi Arabia, we know about the money being pumped into uh, to their program. Roberto Mancini, the former Man City manager, is their coach right now. Um, Iran's a strong team. South Korea, Japan, always right up there. But uh, I think that uh, the Aussies can give it a real shake and perhaps win the Asian Cup for the second time. So looking forward to that squad announcement on Friday. Looking forward to uh, continuing hearing you on SN Afternoons as well, Garby. Appreciate that we were able to successfully, technically able to crash into each other's <laughs> show, mate. Have a wonderful afternoon. All the best, Cam, and to you. Daniel Garb doing a wonderful job filling in for Jimmy Smith, SEN Afternoon.